Hello, world, and welcome back to another episode. I'm Anthony Bartolo, and joined as always by Jason. Jason, how's it going? Hi, Anthony. Good morning. It's going really well. How about you? Good, good. How was your weekend? I had a really great weekend, actually. The weather was quite nice and spent some time outside, kind of pushing my personal bubble boundaries a little bit. And uh, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty delightful weekend. How about yours? Same, same. Toronto was uh, nice in springtime weather, so it was very warm. Uh, got the chance to go outside, get some exercise done. Speaking of exercise, you told me on Friday that you just got yourself a new device. I did. Yeah, very excited of this new toy that I got. Uh, I picked up one of those Oculus Quest VR headsets, and it has consumed much of my time outside of work. But I will say I've also uh, burned a lot of calories and worked some muscles that I haven't used in quite some time. So it's uh, it's been pretty pretty nice little purchase, I would say. And uh, yeah, it kind of led to a fun discussion you and I had last week about the types of things that we wanted to talk about this week and how fun mixed reality is and virtual reality and the things that Microsoft is doing around the HoloLens and all that kind of stuff. And that's just it, right? The whole aspect of virtual reality, mixed reality, how we're perceiving the world. I love that you're using it for exercise. Uh, I've been having trouble finding weights, so I've actually had to use detergent, full bottles of detergent to use in place of weights to do uh, presses and what have you. Uh, it, it's interesting in terms of the new facet that mixed reality brings to the table uh, in the way that we experience the world. It's, you know, learning through osmosis, learning through experience. Um, you know, it's not covering your your eyesight in terms of everything around you uh, and replacing it with a different world. It's the whole aspect of including, you know, aspects of technology into your real world scenario. So like when you're doing your exercises, you're, you may be exercising with others beside you or jumping through hoops. I've seen games uh, where you're doing that type of thing and you're forgetting that you're actually doing the exercise, which is awesome. And uh, learning, using mixed reality to fix engines or to uh, adhere to uh, medical problems, it's, it's so fascinating in terms of what you can do with mixed reality. Yeah, for me, I, I think some of the stuff I've been blown away with with regards to the HoloLens is that it's not that you're being placed right into some virtual re world. You're being placed into a mixed world where you're maybe able to interact with devices and things out in the field uh, or, you know, wherever and, you know, just be able to do things that we couldn't do previously and maybe even do them in a, in a little safer way. That's just it, right? And, and it's, you know, takes away a lot of guesswork in terms of what you're trying to accomplish if somebody's helping you over your shoulder or you're seeing a, you know, a, a, a mixed reality model as opposed to doing it on the real thing. There's a lot to cover on the show today beyond the mixed reality piece. Jason, tell us a little bit about the tips and, uh, tips and tricks segment coming up. Yeah, so we've got Kayla back, and she's going to be sharing with us some different ways that I didn't I didn't know you could do some of these things, which is you know kind of the story of this this segment every week. Uh, but some different ways that we can create new meetings. Uh, I've been doing it one way for a long time, and it turns out that there's a lot of different ways you could be creating different meetings. So Kayla's going to be sharing some tips around that. And super excited for the Microsoft Green segment today. We have Sarah Bergman here. Uh, she's going to be talking about how there's a plethora of ways software can consume electricity and what to think about when engineering software for that reduction in consumption. Uh, and then beyond that, we have Michael Crump back talking about Learn Together. Yeah, Michael's back from vacation, and he's got some really great Learn modules that he's going to be sharing with us, uh, kind of a five top ones that are coming out here recently um, that are all kinds of topics. We got things around GitHub and the data sphere and all kinds of great stuff. So really excited about what uh, Michael's going to be sharing with us around Microsoft Learn modules. Now, Jason, you told me you're really good at math. 
Yeah, I don't know about that. I, I thought I was good at math until I got to college, and it turns out I was not. But uh, you, there's some new stuff that Diego is going to be sharing with us today that actually makes me rethink equations and, uh, I don't know, a lot of stuff around being vulnerable and, and emotional, um, you know, kind of intelligence and, and things like that. So I think the last segment of the day is going to be really powerful and, and very interesting for a lot of folks. Yeah, very eager to see Diego's segment talking about emotional quotients uh, and what to think about when you're looking at your, you know, well-being in terms of life. Shall we get, get started? With, I think time. Let's bring in. Let's go. Yeah, let's bring in one of our favorite guests from Microsoft Teams, Kayla. How are you? And what would you like to share with us about today? Hey, Jason. So we're going to talk about different ways to schedule meetings with your teams today. Awesome. Um, so I actually want to start off with a question for you. How do you usually schedule your team's meetings? Well, usually I do it in what I would probably say is a little bit of an old school way, but I create my meetings inside of Outlook and then typically I'll go in and engage the team's element from there. Right. And so most people are used to scheduling a meeting in Outlook and adding the team's link but there's actually a variety of ways to meet with someone depending on the scenario. And so I'll show you. Um, we'll take a look at one of my calendars. And so uh, you can see different types of meetings here. First, this one is kind of a thing of the past. It's an in-person meeting. Instead of having a Teams address, it actually has a physical address. Um, and then we have an option, um, like you said, our traditional meetings that are set up and you add a Teams link and then you can just click the join button. But let's say you're in a meeting and someone says the infamous line of, um, let's take this offline. Let me close this really quickly so you can see it. And there's a couple of options. You could send them a chat message in after the current call and call them directly through there. Um, but let's say there's a few people who say, well, I'd like to be included in that conversation too, or you didn't catch everyone who said something, or maybe you just don't want to remember everyone who said they needed to be included. So within your team's calendar, you actually have a meet now button. And when you click meet now, you have a couple of options. You can automatically start a meeting like you usually would, and you can dial people in, or you can get a link to share. And so I could drop this link in the chat of that earlier meeting. I can send it via email and that way people can hop on. I don't have to remember to add people. I don't have to set up a calendar invite and we can just hop on right there. Also, like I said, you can just start a meeting, join and dial people uh, as necessary as well. Awesome. Well, I know we've talked about channel meetings before. Uh, you know, We've been doing this for several weeks now, but I had no idea that there was all these other methods. Yes, you're right. We have talked about channel meetings, which is a great option. And I think we might have skimmed over the details before. So um, let's go into it just a little bit further. Um, so with the channel meeting, uh, you can set it up the way you did do a regular meeting. So let's type in a title. Um, and let's say I want to invite a channel. Um, and so here I would type in the name of one of the channels that I have. And let's do the general uh, channel of my retail team site. And so I'm going to go ahead and send this. And then I can actually go to 
that team and we can check it out and we'll be able to see the meeting right there. Um, you can also schedule the meeting from directly within the Teams channel. You have this meet option here, or as you can see, I set this one up. And so another thing that we talked about before was tabs, adding different tabs for different applications directly into your Teams channel. Um, so I will show you that. And one tab that we did not really talk about um, was the calendar. Um, and so you can actually add a calendar for your team, um, the one that's for your channel, directly into one of the tabs so that can, people can see it right there. It's moving a little slow, so hopefully it'll let me actually show you. Um, but after I add this calendar in, people will be able to see all of the meetings that are scheduled for this channel directly in this uh, team site. And I'll just go ahead. Let everyone know that we're adding it here. Um, and then we'll close this. And you will be able to see that people can click on the calendar. And so you can see my meeting is right there. And even if I were to schedule other meetings um, using some of the other mechanisms for the channel meeting, whether I do the meet now here or schedule a meeting here, all of that is going to show up on the channel calendar. So there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to get a meeting with your team or connect with them or get done the things that you need to get done within Teams. Great. Well, uh, Kayla, this is awesome. As always, both you and Ning sharing different ideas and tips and tricks that most of us had no idea. Even uh, you know some of your coworkers who work in Teams literally all day, <laughs> every day. I learned so much from you. So thank you so much. Uh, I think this is going to be a huge help for, for so many different people. So again, thank you for everything that you're sharing with us. Absolutely. All right. Well, so this week, Awesome's taking a much well-deserved break from everything that he's got going on. We've got a special guest, Sarah Bergman, who's going to be talking to Beth, Anthony uh, and I about what's going on in Microsoft Green. Hi, Sarah. Sarah thank, you for, <laughs> thank you for joining us on the show today, Sarah. Awesome to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about you know, what does it mean that software can generate electricity consumption and what does it have to do with sustainability? Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so that's a that's a good question. And I know you had Bill as a guest uh, last week and he talked about carbon intensity, which is this metric on how much carbon is emitted when producing a unit of energy. And that's a really cool metric and one we can use to guide us on how to emit less carbon. But that's not always available to us. And if we're writing code that's running on a client device, we can't really control uh, how our customers charge their phone, for example. So we're going to have to find alternate ways to decrease uh, the carbon footprint. And one of those ways is to use less electricity because we can see electricity as a proxy for carbon. While there isn't a one-to-one -one relationship between this is how much uh, electricity your software is consuming, hence this is how much carbon is it is emitting, that's largely because the electricity grids, um, they sort of fluctuate through the, throughout the day and stuff like that. But the general relationship holds. So the less electricity you consume, the less carbon you're emitting into the atmosphere. So that's interesting, and yet in some countries, like here in Canada, different different uh, hours mean different consumption rates for hydro. But like you said, consuming electricity is consuming electricity. How does software consume electricity? 
Exactly. So yes, there are three major components. The first is the electricity consumed by the server, by your backend processes. And that one is likely very transparent to you, either because you get the electricity bill at the end of the month, uh, or you can log on to your service and in real time see just how much electricity your software is consuming. Secondly, is the part that the electricity consumed on the client device, so sort of the front end. And if you're used to designing software for anything with a, with a battery, like a phone, a laptop, a HoloLens, uh, or a watch, well, you're likely very aware of this too, because customers, they don't really want uh, their battery life to be drained. So you have to manage how you use electricity on their device. Uh, so that's the first two. The, the third one is maybe a bit more hidden, and that is electricity emitted on the network. So any network, uh, such as the internet, the, maybe the greatest <laughs> network of all time, uh, they are just a set of hardware components and cables, right? And they, most of them require electricity to run. So whenever you are sending data on that network, you are in fact using electricity on that network. And like I said, this may be a bit more hidden to us because there is no electricity bill from our uh, internet provider by the end of the month. And there is no customer complaining uh, if we're draining all the resources. But the, it's still uh, true that whatever we emit uh, is consuming electricity in those nodes. So what can we as engineers do to ensure that software doesn't consume or overconsume electricity? Yeah, and that, that's really the key here, right? So the most important thing, in my view, is to think end-to-end. -end. Uh, it may be tempting to, you know, decrease the amount of electricity you use on the server and really optimize that by maybe pushing things to the front end or maybe by sending more data on the network. But that may not uh, decrease the uh, total amount of carbon you are emitting because you may just be pushing those numbers around. So it's important to be aware of all the pieces and think end to end. So I think if you are just starting on this journey, a good first step is looking at this general engineering efficiencies. So like identify your biggest consumers, your most energy hungry portions and start by minimizing them. So can you utilize your CPU less traditionally very energy hungry? Or can you find a way to send less data over the network or send it more infrequently? I also want to take this opportunity to highlight that we have Earth Day coming up, the 22nd of April. And I think that's an excellent day to start having this conversation at your workplace because small conversations can lead to big changes. Sarah, thank you very, thank you very much again for joining us on the show. Awesome to have you on the show. Um, look forward to seeing you at the end of the show as well to talk about what, what else we can do. Uh, next up, we have Michael, who's going to be sharing us uh, sharing with us five awesome Microsoft Learn modules released in the past week. Thank you so very much, Anthony, and I am super excited to be back here today. I had a great time on vacation last week. I was able to uh, dial in and check out the show, and tons of amazing, cool, fun things was shared there um, as well. So today, I brought with me five of the MS Learn modules that have recently been released that I thought was definitely worth mentioning. Obviously, there's a lot more. Let's check out the video. Okay, so number one is email with Power Automate. So with Microsoft Power Automate, you can create emails that are sent automatically when new data is added or when existing data is updated. 
Additionally, you have email metadata that's captured in SharePoint uh, automatically. So this module is going to explain how you can use email actions in Power Automate with SharePoint as a data source. You'll also learn a little bit more about sending emails uh, with the Microsoft 365 Outlook, as well as learning how to send some of those emails using the actual mail connector. Again, there's a couple of knowledge checks there. And at the end of this, you'll be able to save your email content to SharePoint. Number two is getting started with the return of the workplace solution. So Microsoft Power Apps Return to the Workplace Solution provides several features that helps you and your teams plan, coordinate, and manage the safe return to the workplace. So within the solutions, uh, you'll see things such as location readiness, location management, employee health, and safety management, and workplace care management. So you'll learn all about the features that comes with this Return to the Workplace a solution, and you'll also be able to discover the benefits and use cases in this module. Number three is all about getting started with Git and GitHub in Visual Studio. So you may be like one of the few out there that sometimes may struggle a little bit with Git. Well, with now with GitHub and Visual Studio, it makes it a little bit easier to do things such as authenticate to GitHub to create a repository. Uh, by using like Git tooling inside of Visual Studio 2019, you can add, you can modify files, stage and even commit the changes, and then finally push those to your remote. A couple of other features in here is creating a GitHub account that actually is associated uh, with your Visual Studio and allows you to push uh, commits into your Git repository. Number four here is all about getting started with Microsoft Dataverse for Teams. So some folks uh, may not be familiar with the name Microsoft Dataverse, and that's because around in November of last year, we renamed this service. Uh, it was originally called Common Data Service, and now it's Microsoft Dataverse. And Dataverse for Teams is built in. It's a low-code data platform that lets you build custom apps, workflows, chatbots, and dashboards by using Microsoft Power Apps, Power Virtual Agents, and Power Automate. Uh, so it also provides additional uh, relational data storage. And here we are on number five. And on number five is all about downloading and uploading files in JavaScript with Microsoft Craft. So you'd learn how to list, download, and upload a user's file from a single page application using Microsoft Craft. Uh, so at the end of this, you'll be able to use a JavaScript app to list files in a user's OneDrive for Business, download files from their OneDrive for Business using Craft, and then being able to upload files from a browser into OneDrive for business using the Microsoft Graft platform. Again, all of these are currently available and you can check out. We have a link uh, below that you can check out. And if you go to that, you'll see the collection as well as you'll see all of the uh, all of the links that I mentioned. And I will probably be going back in there and I'll be adding some more because there's always brand new modules that's coming out 
pretty much each and every day. So there's the there's the link. I would greatly appreciate you go checking some of that out. And uh, yeah, I think back on over to you, host. Thank you, Michael. Always awesome to see the new modules that are being released on Microsoft Learn. Can't wait to jump into, into them myself. Uh, let's bring Jason back because we're going to now jump into a very emotional Diego's wall. Jason, you ready? I'm ready. I always love Diego's segments. And Diego's back from holiday to, to share some really fascinating stuff. Uh, welcome back, Diego. How are you doing? Hello, Jason. Hello, Anthony. And hello, world. I'm doing good. I'm here in my office in Seattle, Washington, surrounded by these walls that I've been building for about 20 years. And, and they have a lot of things that I want to remember, you know. And, and today I wanted to talk to you about about emotional equations. And what, what do I mean by that? I've been talking in the last few shows about the importance of emotional intelligence. You know, in the tech industry, you need to know your tech stuff, but I would say the number one important skill in 2021 is your emotional intelligence. Without it, you won't be able to have the impact that you may want to have. So I struggle with this because I study computer science. I'm a, I'm a hard fan of science, of hard science. I love astronomy and math and physics. And, and it, the emotional stuff was hard for me. But then this guy came along called Chip Conley, and he developed something he calls emotional equations. And he actually published a book about it. And I kept that post on the wall. You can see it right here since then. This, this right here are the emotional equations. And what he tried to do, Chip, is he tried to express what our emotions are made of in mathematical formulas. Now, these are not really like scientifically rigorously rigorous. You can't really do a lot of operations with them. They're, they're supposed to just be thought provoking, but I found them really good. So today I wanted to share a few of them with you. Is that okay? Yeah, please do. This is amazing stuff. What do you got for Let's us? Put it on the screen. Let's see. I, I, we can do this, and then I can play like this. I can do oh, hide and seek. Now you see me. Now you don't. So here's the thing. I want to share four of them. So the first one, very simple, right here. It says despair equals meaning. Sorry, suffering minus meaning. So we all have suffering in life, but. If you develop a sense of meaning, you can actually detract from suffering. And then your despair gets lower. Your sense of hope gets higher. This is something that Brickton Frankl showed in his book, The Man's Search for Meaning. That there is no inherent meaning in our lives, so we have to manufacture our own meaning. And all our meanings can be different. And when we do that, we actually subtract from suffering. When you have a sense of meaning, you can... You can put up with a lot of suffering, and that the, that lowers your despair. So that's how formulas one. Let's put them up. I'm going to show you another one because I want to show you how each formula has two components. So here, disappointments equal expectations minus reality. So many times, many times our expectation, <laughs> our reality is that's not uh, much our expectation, and our reality sucks sometimes, and and we can be very disappointed. But disappointment is not has nothing to do with bad reality. Disappointed is the gap between expectations and reality. So you can play always with the two factors in the formula. You can improve your reality and achieve more and get what you want, and then you'll be less disappointed. Or if that's not possible, you can lower your expectations. Because I once heard this quote in, in Argentina where I grew up saying that the richest person is not the one that has the most, but the one that needs the least. 
So that's that's the one about disappointment. So now they get a bit more complicated. Let's show one more, one more right here. Let's put them on the screen and I can play peekaboo like this. So here's another one that says, for example, anxiety, the big A. Look, we, we all suffer from anxiety because we're human beings and human beings think about the future and the past and all that stuff. So anxiety equals uncertainty multiplied by powerlessness. So again, two, two components. When we face uncertainty, that generates anxiety. But when you're trying to innovate, when you're trying to do amazing things in the world, you will have a lot of unknowns. So you will have uncertainty and that will generate anxiety, but you can multiply it by powerlessness. And if that powerlessness is low, meaning your sense of empowerment is high, then you will actually lower your anxiety. And this reminds me of a study that was made with rats. It was a pretty cruel study when they put two rats on side-by-side -side cages and they would get random electroshocks throughout the day. The, the same shock and they would stop start and stop at the same time. The only difference is that one of the rats had access to a lever. And when the rat pulled the lever down, the, the shocks would stop. So same shocks, same durations, but one of the rats had control to make it stop. And then they measured the body markers for levels of anxiety. And the rat that had no power, that was powerless, had a much higher level of anxiety. So again, you can play with you can reduce uncertainty, but if you need to face uncertainty, then you can reduce your powerlessness. Am I making any sense so far? Yeah, you know, as always, you're kind of blowing me away uh, <laughs> with all of this stuff, uh, Diego. And I just have to say, I have to appreciate you not only sharing these types of things, but also you being sort of a leader in, in this show, at least on Mondays, of being vulnerable and showing these types of important ideas and, and sharing different things that, as you mentioned, you know, are only... Uh, you know, our skills around technology and being coming from computer science backgrounds, all that thing's great, but you have to have the other side of the coin too. And, and these are the parts that I think a lot of times don't really make it into uh, our, you know, our thinking when we're talking about our careers. So thank you for sharing this type of stuff. Yeah. Talking about vulnerability, here's the, if you put it one last time, this one is huge. Authenticity. You can see here, if you put them out, equals uh, authenticity equals self-awareness multiplied by courage. So we got to know ourselves, that's self-awareness. But once we know ourselves, who we are, what do we want, what do we stand for, we have to have the courage to go out and stand for those things, to show us who we are. We try to be perfect, we try to show ourselves perfect, but that's not what people want. People do not want to follow a perfect leader. They want to follow a real leader, a real human being. So vulnerability helps. So call to action, please watch Ted, uh, Chip Conley's TED Talk. He gave you three. This one's called Measuring what, what Makes Life Worthwhile. A really good take, one of my top three TED Talks. Then he did one called Becoming a Mother Elner. For those of you who are in your second life, second half of your life, who have some white beard coming up, there is hope of becoming a modern elder. And we have a lot to give with these wise people <laughs> that comes with age. So watch those TED Talks, build that courage to be authentic, and I have more for you on Friday. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Diego, for sharing. We'll try to drop a lot of that stuff into our show notes. And Anthony, we're getting low on time here. So let's hustle and bring back some of our other guests. Let's bring in Kayla. And hi, Kayla. And thank you so much for, for being part of the show again. And is there any final words you'd like to share with our audience? Uh, thanks for having me as always. And just if you're interested in learning more, check out the show notes uh, from this episode and previous ones to learn more about Microsoft Teams. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. Sarah. Thank you. Oops, sorry. <laughs> Sarah, thank you very much for being on the show again today. Uh, Sarah Bergman, if, if we can put her on the screen really quickly. Sarah, are you still there? Oh, there she is. 
Sarah, if there's any call to action for our audience in terms of what they can do next to learn about how to conserve electricity when software tries to consume it. Yes, so we actually have a learn module um, where you can learn more about the principles of sustainable software engineering. There are in the show notes and there there is definitely a part about electricity and software. So go check that out. Great. And also we had Michael back uh, again from a nice vacation to share some of his uh, up and coming Microsoft Learn um, modules that are coming in, are coming down in the pipe. So Michael, what final thoughts do you have for us? Yeah, I only scratched the surface of this. I uh, just talked about five. Obviously, there's a ton more uh, topics such as like Django and uh, Python to custom domains and M365 uh, to like partner skilling. So uh, yeah, there's plenty of additional out there. You can check that out at just learn.microsoft.com. And Diego, with less than a minute left, last call to action for emotional equations, emotional uh, quotients. What do you want our audience to take away? Every day is an opportunity to be courage, courageous. Nobody regrets being courageous. To find those little moments to 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 build that courage and use it. You won't regret it. Great. Thank you so much, Diego. And thank you all, everyone, for being on the show today. And uh, stick around for Career Switcher Stories. We're going to be following up next on Learn TV. And we hope to see you again at another Hello World show. Thank you so much, everyone.